Hi there, and welcome to the Darker Path Podcast. I'm so glad you made it. I'm your host and your guide, Sydney Coker. Now, I know it must have been a long and stressful week for many of you. So, try to relax, grab some warm tea or some cocoa. It is getting pretty chilly out. And allow me to guide you down a darker path. In our first story, we dive into the world of those pesky pop-ups. You know, the ones that no matter how many times you try to get rid of them, they just keep popping up. Well, author Yuzar Yuwan highlights such a pop-up, but one with a more sinister message. You won't last 10 minutes playing this game. I'm pretty sure we have all seen those pop-up ads that say something like, you won't last 10 minutes playing this game, or whatever clickbait that they're going for. It is highly advised to not click on such ads, or they will add viruses to your system. Well, I decided that I would quench my curiosity by checking it out anyway and seeing what all the fuss was about. Little did I know that it would go terribly wrong. I readjusted my glasses for what felt like the hundredth time as I pondered over a math problem. It was late at night, the clock confirming it by showing that it was almost 1 a.m. I had a math exam in a few hours, and at this time, I still had a lot to revise. I closed the book that I had open in front of me, as I just couldn't focus anymore. I looked back towards the empty bed on my left. It was Jeffrey's, my roommate. He was probably smoking on the roof or something, taking a break from all this studying. We had rented a room near the school so that it saved us a little bit of traveling time to and from class. This was the last exam, and the thought of finally being able to enjoy summer break brought a smile to my face. I picked up my phone and decided to surf the internet until Jeffrey returned. I opened up a shady-looking anime website, and a pop-up greeted me. You won't last 10 minutes playing this game, was what it said. I had an ad blocker installed on my phone, so seeing a pop-up ad really surprised me. I closed the ad, but it kept popping up, no matter how many times I closed it. Frustrated, I simply closed the website and decided to watch some videos. A video titled, Two Men Build a Pool in the Middle of a Jungle, caught my attention, and I opened it. I expected to see those poorly made game ads to play up before the video starts, but no. It was the same ad as before. You won't last 10 minutes playing this game. I was now getting pretty annoyed by that ad, so I decided to check it out once and for all. I clicked on the ad and it directed me to a blank web page with a giant play button in the center. The name of the game was on the top, stating that it was called Finding Simon. Next to the button was an image of a blonde guy wearing a blue sweater, who I assumed was Simon. Seeing the character next to the play button made me a bit more curious about this weird game. I clicked on the button and the game booted up. A small pop-up shows up stating the game rules. 
It stated that I needed to find Simon in a series of five images in order to win. An image of Simon was given. He was a blonde guy wearing a blue sweater and green pants. He had this weird smile on his face that would make anyone look suspicious. But the game looked pretty straightforward. Alrighty then, let's play your stupid game, I said to the screen. I pressed ready and a timer started on the top right corner, counting down from one minute. This was a super easy one. It was as if the game wanted me to find Simon. There were only a few people in the image and Simon was standing, in plain sight, next to a guy selling ice cream. Upon clicking Simon, a next button showed on the screen. I clicked on it and the second image loaded up. This was identical to the previous one, with the exception of having twice as many people and obstacles. The timer started and it was for about four minutes this time. For some reason, the difficulty went up through the roof. I could not find Simon at all for three minutes straight. It wasn't until the time was almost up that I saw his head poking out from one of the corners. Something wasn't right. Simon's eyes were bloodshot and he was staring directly at the ice cream man. He still had that weird smile on his face. I clicked on him just as the timer was about to finish up and a next button showed up. I clicked on it, feeling a bit creeped out by his sudden transformation. Once again, the same image loaded up as the previous. This time, Simon was back again, clearly visible. He was now standing next to the ice cream man, but this time, Simon was holding a knife. I clicked on him and then the next button, now completely sure that something was off about this game. The image loads up and the true horror started. Simon was now stabbing the ice cream man from behind. All the people in this image were running away from him with fear on their faces. I quickly clicked on him and went to the next and final image. What I saw made me want to throw up. All the people in this image were dead. The entire ground was covered in blood and in the center of the carnage stood Simon with his ever-present smile. I clicked on him just to finish off this horrific game, but a next button shows up. I clearly remember that the rules at the start stated that there would be only five images, but the next button stated otherwise. I clicked on it and another image loads up. It was the same as the previous with everyone dead on the ground, but this time there was no Simon in this image. The timer at the top right had also disappeared. I quickly shut off my phone and threw it away from me, sweat now coating my forehead. I just wanted to relax after an intense study session and this just made things so much worse. I rested my head on my pillow trying to relax myself, but then I heard a knock on the door. I looked towards the door in shock, completely unable to move. Who could be at the door this late into the night? Dude, are you gonna let me in or what? Asked a familiar voice. It was Jeffrey. Hearing his voice made me relax. I was totally going crazy after playing that weird game. I got up and unlocked the door for him. Jeffrey is standing in the doorway, holding his throat. Blood was spraying out from a large cut on his throat. Jeffrey fell to the ground, his mouth desperately trying to form words, but no sound was coming out. 
was constantly looking to his left, but there was no one in the hallway. I, I, I couldn't understand how this had happened. Jeffrey just told me to open the door for him a few seconds ago, and now he was on the verge of death? I tried to help stop the bleeding, but the cut was too big and too deep. I quickly picked up my phone to call an ambulance. Just as I was about to type in the number, I heard footsteps. I turned around. A man was standing there with a knife in his hand. Under the low light, I could see that he was wearing a blue sweater and green pants. His blonde hair illuminated by the hallway light. It was Simon from the game I was just playing, and he was still wearing that ever-present smile. He quickly walked up to me and slashed his knife at my neck. I was completely caught off guard by this turn of events and fell to the ground holding my throat. The pain was intense. I tried to call out for help, but no voice came out. I was losing a lot of blood and my eyes were starting to get heavy, my vision fuzzy. The clock on the wall in front of me caught my attention. The time showed 1.10 a.m. Exactly 10 minutes had passed since I started the game. Okay now, I don't know about you, but I definitely am going to look into updating my pop-up blocker. Okay, it's time to make our way further down the path and on to the next story. I'm sure we've all wondered what it would be like to get inside someone's head. Or at least I have. Well, in our next story by author Wushkers, we learn how to do just that. So. Let's allow a psychologist to show us exactly how to get inside someone's head. Have you ever gotten inside someone's head? You know, worming your way around in there just to see what's going on? Well, being a psychologist, I have. And it actually isn't too hard. You just have to get them in the right spot. Now, sometimes there might be special circumstances. Maybe you need privacy for personal reasons. Other times, it just isn't a good idea to do it around others. Either way, once you get them in the right spot, you need to make them comfortable. If they start getting defensive, or offensive, it will not be good for either party. You need to be their friend. Let them trust you. Start with some basic exercise, listening to their favorite music, things to make them happy. We need happy. Start walking around like you're pondering, pacing. Rub their shoulders if you so dare. Make small talk or long talk, and if you are particularly evil, make them nervous. Talk about death, what their plans are, 
As you see fit, take out a blade, hide it behind your back, and walk behind them one final time. Now when you get to this point, make sure to get it over with quickly. Or not, I really don't care how you do it as long as you get it done. Sever the cervical nerve at the base of the skull. They will be rendered unconscious, if not dead, instantly. Use a circular saw to cut off the cap of the skull, starting two inches above the eyes and going all the way around. You can do as you please from here, but I like to keep the brain mostly intact due to its worth. I do, however, like to carefully split it down the middle, gaining access to the ventral tegmental. Now I like that small organ due to what it produces. Something much more valuable than a brain. It's more valuable because I can use it and I can use it for what it is. And what is it? What does this organ produce, do you ask? Well, it produces none other than dopamine. Now, the thing about dopamine is that it's quite hard to reproduce artificially, requiring two molecules of hydroxide and an amino radical molecule to be bonded together by benzene. Now, that's just a lot of work and honestly no fun. But the body has developed a process to easily produce dopamine. And it just so happens that exercise and listening to music both release dopamine. I think you can see where I'm going with this. I salvage humans. I know, right? Starting with the brain, down to the heart, liver, kidneys, etc., etc. All the good parts. Sell them off to whoever wants them. Rogue surgeons, criminals, people that you wouldn't really even call a person. People so far gone, talking to one of them would make you paranoid. I sell almost every possible part. There are only three things that I keep. The dopamine, the blood, and the tongue. And the best part about all of this? Well, it's true. It's all true when you probably really don't want it to be. Oh, how I wish I could see your face. <laughs> Anyways, there you have it. How to get away with murder, have psychotic fun, and make an illegal profit. I expect to see others' experiences with this. And for those of you who would not commit such a horrific act, are you sure? Who's to say we all aren't the worst people we know? Because, dear listener... We are. We are so, so bad. And it feels good to be bad. And just so you know, for the record, I don't kill all of my patients. Hardly at all. I only take apart the ones that won't be found. The ones that won't be heard. The gullible ones. The ones without a brain. hope you were taking notes on that last one because we might need them for our next story. In this tale, 
written by author Tiger Lily, I hope I pronounced that right, leads us further down our dark path and into an abandoned pet supply store. But we soon find out that this store isn't as abandoned as we initially thought. Without further ado, the value of her skin. Why did I go through with this? I should have just stayed home. Instead, I am here amongst rusted cages and random pet supplies, hiding from it. Trying to subdue my heavy breathing, trying to ignore the plaintive wails, trying to scrub my mind's eye clean of what it saw mere moments ago. I now understand why the owner abandoned his beloved shop. Abandoned? Did anyone ever see him after Pet Paradise shut down? Maybe it got him. I remember everyone's surprise on that odd Monday morning when the successful pet shop did not open on time. Something that had never happened since Eric had opened his paradise. I guess we all figured he went looking for one final adventure. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I know what I saw back in his office, and yet I will not acknowledge it. That lampshade. That lampshade was so intricate, and the detailed stitching, a marvel to behold. It did not matter that the electricity had been shut off over three years ago. It was warm to the touch. It felt alive. It should not have been warm. Did I really feel it tremble under my fingers? Everything had been wrong as soon as we walked in. I should have told Zara to forget that stupid dare. I should have dragged her out. Unfortunately, I had not, and judging from the sudden eerie silence, she was no more. My breath becomes visible as the temperature starts to drop and drop and drop. My lungs are becoming painful as the weight of the atmosphere around me becomes tangible like lead curtains. The room is assaulted by angry murmurs that were incomprehensible, getting louder and louder with every beat of my heart. Out of the thick shadows, a voice bellowed distinctively. Come back. Leave that flaky, dry-husked human. The skin on this one here is supple, and the quantity of it will be more than sufficient to achieve our quota. Come on, come back to me so we can complete our labor here. I heard the chatter fade away in the direction from whence it came. The chill gripping my bones relaxed its hold on me. My lungs expanded to their original size, and horror seized my frantic heart as the words sank in my fogged mind. There is no one other than me and Zara in this shop. There is no one. Yet I saw what I saw, and I heard that bellow as clear as a spring day. I fight my natural instincts as I force my body into motion. I must witness what is happening. I need to know Zara's condition. Her situation might be less dire than my memory is suggesting. In silence, I make my way towards the manager's office. I sense the chill before too long. As the heavy oppressiveness in the air bears down on me once again, I push forward. Nearly at the door, 
I exhale, glad that Eric left behind so many pet supplies. I now have a wealth of hiding places because of this. I turn the corner and I am confused to see brightness seeping out of the office. What is going on? I lean on the wall beside the doorway, awash in the unnatural glow, resting a moment, finding the courage to look. Just as I begin to look at the scene held in that room, the wails rise once more against the awful silence. I am equal parts relieved and terrified to realize she is alive. I peer through the opening and the sight before me broke what was left of my logic. Zara was floating in the air, her limbs flailing in a macabre dance to an unheard melody. The sounds emanating from her throat made the hair on my body rise. She was alone, and yet I could feel other beings in there with her. I must have been accurate in my assessment because what came next required someone's, something's intervention. Her dermis was being peeled in a gruesome display of skills. It was a slow, methodical separation of the skin from the muscle mass. The glow cast by the lampshade was sinister and uncanny. It was possessed by a spectral life made all too evident by the luminous veins that trembled in excitement. A guttural rumble rising from within seemed to tell it to intensify the glow in the pace in which Zara was being mutilated. The atrocity of this scene proved to be too much for me, and I crumpled to the ground, my conscious self disappearing in the darkness. I heard a pounding against my skull. Oh my god, what a wild dream that was. I will have to call Zara as soon as I can open my eyes, tell her all about it, and we will shortly laugh. My nose... My nose is telling me that I'm not at home, and... As the world starts to come into focus in front of me, I realize that it was not a dream. Zara! I jumped up and investigated the dim office. I locked my gaze on Zara's form. She was nothing more than a wretched pile of gore slumped in a puddle of viscous, dark liquid. The ghastly light and eerie sounds and the oppressing atmosphere were all gone, and in its place, resting serenely on each end of a massive writing desk, was not one, but now two beautiful wooden lamps covered by twin intricate lampshades that were decorated with the most amazing stitching, stitching so vibrant that they looked alive. like we finally come to the end of our path for this evening. I really do hope you enjoyed our travels and I look forward to guiding you down another terrifying trail next Friday. So I hope you enjoy your weekend and I am looking forward to guiding you down a darker path next week.